Welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. We're so glad to have you with us here today in the House of Faith. Starting today on this broadcast over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about the simplicity of faith. You and I both know that the scripture has so much to say about the life of faith, how to walk by faith, how to live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, how to fight by faith. But when you get down to it, what the scripture has to say about this life of faith is very, very simple. And I need things simple. Maybe you're like me, you need it simple. Well, that's what we're going to do beginning today on the broadcast, lasting over the next several weeks, talking about the simplicity of faith. Now, late last year in 2019, Sarah and I were invited by Brother Andrew Womack to minister alongside him in the Gospel Truth Seminar in Washington, D.C. And the footage that we're going to show you today came live from that conference. So let's go there right now for part one of the simplicity of faith, Faith Talks. Second Timothy chapter four, let's begin in verse six. Paul is writing and he says to Timothy, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. You know, that's a good way to think about death. It's a departure. That's what it is. It's a departure. You're leaving something, but listen, you don't depart from one place without arriving somewhere else. And these departures and these arrivals are taking place every day all over the world. Death is nothing to be afraid of. Woo! (laughs) Death is nothing to be afraid of. Most of you have already done it once. And it was glorious that time, wasn't it? Right? When you were crucified with Christ. Man, that's all the dying you're ever going to do. And it's nothing to be afraid of. Hey, I died once already. That thing was great. I'm not afraid to do it again. Paul called it my departure. He said, my departure, the time of my departure is at hand. Does he sound afraid? No. Notice what he says in verse seven. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have, read this last part with me kept the faith. Read it again. I've done what? I have fought the good fight. I have started the race. I finished the race. And what else did he say? I have kept the faith. It's never too early to start practicing your departure speech because the last words coming out of your mouth here are the first ones coming out of your mouth there. And he's saying, this is, this is my departure time. This is the winter season of my life. This assignment, this ministry, this life on earth, he said, is just about done. And here is how Paul summarized his life in this one statement. He said, I have fought the good fight. He said, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Now, it sounds like a good thing to say, and it is. But what you and I need to understand is not everybody gets to say that. Actually, precious few, if they're honest with themselves and honest before God, 
will not get to say that. Because most people, like I said, if they're being honest, will come to the end of their time and come to the end of their life here on this earth. And if they're honest, they'll say, I fought poorly. I quit early. And somewhere along the way, I lost my faith. Now that's the testimony. That's the summary of most people's life. And this is why I say to you, it's never too early to start working on your departure speech (laughs) because this is what you want to say. This is what you want to say as you wrap this thing up here. But I'm going to tell you what, this is what you want to be able to say with boldness, say with confidence, say with honesty, integrity, and surety in the face of God himself. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Heavenly Father, I have kept the faith. Who wants to say that? I'm ready. I want to be able to say that. I want to be able to say it to and about my life, but I want to say that with honesty in the presence of God. Heavenly Father, I fought the good fight. Heavenly Father, I finished the race that you gave me to run. And I didn't lose my faith. I kept it. I said, I kept it. I believe I'm looking at a room full this morning of keepers of the faith. Do I have any faith keepers in here today? That's you, that's me. I want to deal with some of these things, I believe, today and as the Lord leads us this evening on into into tomorrow. But Paul said it like this, I fought the good fight. You remember when he said it to Timothy the first time in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he told him to fight the good fight of faith. So faith is a fight. Some people would say, well, I'm just not really a fighter. That's just not really in my personality. That's just not really my temperament. Well, it needs to be. And if you weren't a fighter, you are one now. We are called to fight the good fight of faith. Let me touch on this a little bit. When Paul said the good fight, he said it in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He said it here in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He was talking about the, the way you fight. Now I've heard people say the good fight of faith, it's a good fight because we win. And you know, that sounds good. And maybe there's some truth to that, but there's another translation of the scripture. It's the Weiss translation of first Timothy chapter six, where he says, be constantly engaged in the contest of faith. Constantly be constantly engaged. In other words, never disengage, never unhook from the faith fight. You and I ought to be in faith all the time. Faith when the sun comes up, faith when the sun goes down, faith all day, every day, constantly engaged in this fight of faith. Your faith ought to be on something all the time, all the time. But he said in that scripture, be constantly engaged in this contest of faith, which contest, check this out, is marked by its beauty of technique. So when Paul said, fight the good fight of faith, what he was actually saying was, Timothy, fight and be good at it. This contest, which is marked by the beauty of its technique. Do you know there's technique to the faith fight? Did you realize that? Now, I'll be 40 years old next month. Next month, 40 years old. And I have somehow lived the last 40 years without ever getting in a fight, like an actual physical fight. Now, as a dude, 
I don't know if that's something to be proud of. I'm not quite sure. I can't figure that part out. I've been punched a couple of times, but I don't think it counts as a fight if you don't hit back. I spent several years in youth ministry. I was hosting a conference one time, and I think it was Monday morning of the conference, day one, out of the gate. There was a young kid who was having some difficulty, had some mental challenges, some physical challenges, and I noticed he was kind of, he was getting real restless in the service. And so I'm a good youth pastor, right? I'm going to go sit by him, love on him. I'm sitting there next to him. This, this kid, bless his heart, in our youth ministry, he, we kind of knew him for the constant Bluetooth headset. This thing never left his face. I don't know who he was talking to, but this thing was on all the time. And in the middle of the service, I'm sitting there, there's another guy preaching, and this young guy answers his phone really loud in his ear. And I, I put my hand on him. I said, buddy, we can't do that in service. And I don't know. Something went off in him. He stood up. He wanted to fight me. And I said, come here, come here. There was a curtain out the side. I said, follow me. I turned around this way. He screams out, I'm going to kick your... And, you know, <laughs> in the middle of a service... And all of a sudden, I feel this fist come across my back like this. And I thought, okay, you're 19, but you are not alone in there. Something is going on. <laughs> so I got hit, but I did not hit that teenager back, bless God. I've been punched a couple of times, but if you don't hit back, I don't think it counts as a fight. Now, I have done what most of you have done too, and it's get, pick a fight with the man in the mirror. Have you done this before? As a young man, especially, you practice these things because you want to rehearse should the time ever come that it happens in real life. Maybe you girls don't know anything about this, but I guarantee you every dude in here knows exactly what I'm talking. You talking to me? You talking to me? I don't think I like your tone. This is all the guy in the mirror. So, you know, you standing there. What's up? Hmm? But you can practice all that you want. But do you remember what Paul said? Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. You want to know what the problem with beating the air is? You never make contact. And if you never make contact, you never have impact. This is not technique. You know that, right? This is bad form. This is not good technique. So when Paul said to Timothy, fight the good fight, he was saying, Timothy, fight and be good at it. I wonder if we could sort of step off and look into the spirit and see what most of our faith fights look like. I think it'd be a lot of this right here. Stop it, stop it, stop it. This contest that you and I are supposed to be constantly engaged in, this fight of faith is supposed to be marked by the beauty of its technique. This is what he's talking to him about here. So when Paul said, I've come to the end of my life and I have fought the good fight. We know from other places in scripture, like we just talked about, he was not beating the air. This was not an impactless fight. Paul made a mark. Would you believe that? Would you agree with that? 
He said, I finished the race. I believe more than anything, this is what God is blessed with. Because anybody can start a race. Anybody can start anything. It's finishing that touches the heart of God. I've never run a marathon. I could start one. I could start one right now. But finishing one is a completely different story, isn't it? I think as the Lord leads, we'll get into some of this. But, but this last thing he said, I have kept the faith. So that tells me that there was a number of opportunities throughout his life to lose it, to lose the faith, to let his faith be stolen, to let himself be robbed of his faith. But he said, I've held on to it. I have kept it. Just kept a grip on it. Wouldn't let it go. Wouldn't let Satan take it from me. Wouldn't let persecution take it from me. Wouldn't let tribulation take it from me. And here he stands on the border of this world and the next saying before men and before God Almighty, here's the faith you gave me. I've kept it. I held on to it. Is there anybody else interested in being able to say that right there? I kept my faith. Why don't you say it out loud by faith this morning? I am a keeper of the faith. Go to the book of Romans chapter 10. Thank you, Lord. Romans chapter 10. We'll look at some familiar scripture. I came to this meeting with a number of things in my heart, a number of different directions I thought about going, and I thought, well, I'll come to service uh, Thursday night, listen to Brother Andrew, and there'll be something that he'll say that'll just set me on my path. And I think he touched on nearly every single thing that was already in my heart. So thanks, Lord. We, it's not any clearer than it was, but I believe he's helping us. <laughs> You're in Romans chapter 10, but do you remember what the scripture said in the book of Galatians? You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. Galatians chapter six. In verse 10, it says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. You familiar with this scripture? Let's do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Man, that's the house I grew up in. I've often affectionately referred to the house that I grew up in as the household of faith like the actual one. <laughs> Convinced for a long time that if you were to do a Greek study there of Galatians chapter six, Copeland would be in there somewhere. <laughs> and that's the house I grew up in. My grandparents, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, um, many of you may be familiar with them, been preaching Jesus all over the world for more than 50 years. Matter of fact, they, they have preached the uncompromised word of faith from the top of the world to the bottom all the way around. I mean, they have preached in churches. They've preached in convention centers every single year. My grandfather stands on this platform right here in this room. November, it's coming up again. And they have just preached the word and preached Jesus. They've preached it when it wasn't popular. They preached it to rooms full of people. They preached it to three or four people. I mean, they have just been preaching this word of faith. But I want to say something as a member of that house. It wasn't just faith from the platform. Man, it was faith in the living room. It was faith in the kitchen. It was faith. We were the household of faith. 
Now, when people hear that term, household of faith, there are many and probably most people who would think of faith as, you know, you have beliefs, I have beliefs, we're just people of faith. There are those who would say the household of faith, the, the, the global body of Christ. And of course, there's certain truth to that. But man, when I hear this, when I hear about the household of faith, it hits my heart and my head in a completely different way. Because I have personal firsthand experience with what it's like to grow up in the household of faith, man. It's faith every day. It's faith all day, every day. And as a kid... Growing up in that, even though I went to a Christian school, uh, kindergarten to graduation, I was surrounded by other Christian kids. I figured out pretty early on, we're different. As people of faith, as people of the household of faith, there's a difference. Now, I will say this, my kindergarten application day, my mom walked us, walked me in as a six-year-old into this little Christian school weeks before the school year started to fill out the application to go to this little school and, uh, you, you know, to meet with the headmaster. We walk in, the headmaster welcomes us into his office. We sit there. My mom fills out the application, you know, all the pertinent information, name, parents' names, address. There was a place there for grandparents' names. So of course she put Kenneth Gloria Copeland. She gives the application back to the headmaster. He's reading it all, all uh, reading over all of it. He looks up at her big tears begin to fill his eyes. The man reaches into his shirt pocket, pulls out a Kenneth Copeland tape and says, this changed my life. And even as a five-year-old, I'm sitting there thinking, this is going to be all right. This is going to work. And that's the school I went to, kindergarten all the way through graduating high school. And I was surrounded by other uh, Christian families, Christian kids. There was something like 80 different churches all represented in that school. And of course, you got a bunch of different denominations. But I figured out real quick, like real quick, that we were different than everybody else. As people who lived and walked by faith, as keepers of the faith. Somewhere around junior high, I think something must have happened. A friend of mine maybe wasn't at school for a couple of days. He comes back. We're like, hey, man, where were you? You good? And he's like, oh, yeah, I was, was kind of sick, but it was fine. You know, I just laid at home, just laid around, watched TV, whatever. It's kind of nice. And my thought was, that's not what happens at my house. <laughs> if you're going to come in and say, mommy, I don't feel good. It's not about to be, oh, baby, bless his heart. Come here, come here. What can I get you? You just get comfortable right there. You want to watch a little TV? I was thinking, that's not what happens. If you're going to come into my parents' room and say, I don't feel good. Lights on, covers off. Jeremy, get your Bible. Jeremy, get your tapes. Come on, make this confession after me, boy. Say it out loud. By the stripes of Jesus, I am. What are you sitting down for? Get up. Follow me. Say, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. By the stripes of Jesus. Say it like you mean it, boy. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. I guess I had a little puppet voice when I was a child. 
but that's the house I grew up in. There was a fight of faith. And when we needed something, if I needed anything, Hey dad, Hey mom, I need this. I got to have this. And the, the response all the time was, what's the word say? What's the word say? What's the word say, Jeremy? What's the word say? What's the word say, Jeremy? What's the word say? And finally, as a kid, you're like, just tell me what the word says. <laughs> if you'll tell me what the word says, then I'll know what the word says. And I can tell you what the word says. I remember when my sister was in college, she was going to school at Oral Roberts University. My parents asked me to drive her back to school one time. So she's whatever, 19, 20 years old. I'm seven years older than she is. So I'm probably pushing what, 27, 28 at that time. And we're driving back to school and she's, she's talking to me and she's, there's some frustration in her voice. She's like, I'm talking to mom about this stuff. And I talk to her and I, I'm trying to tell her what I'm going through and tell her what I'm dealing with. And all she ever says is, what scripture are you standing on? What scripture are you standing on? What scripture are you standing on? It gets real quiet in the car. I'm like, well, what scripture are you standing on? <laughs> I don't know what to say. I have the same parents. That's all I ever heard you. But I'm going to tell you this morning, and this is from the bottom of my heart, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. And now what's funny is my wife, Sarah, and I, we have two little ones. Justice, he's nine. Jesse, his little sister, she's six, and we're raising these two in the household of faith. And it's so, it's so cool to hear it coming back at you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.